Section 17 of the American Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The American Egypt by Channing Arnold and Frederick J. Tabor Frost. Section 17. On the Southern Sierras. Part 1 carriage exercise in yucatan is no joke it is not the gentle fiction the make-believe of exertion played at by indolent women and invalids to which we are accustomed the doctor who ordered it would lie under the grave suspicion of being in league with the local undertaker the invalid who took it would need nothing further save a shelter in the nearest cemetery the most inveterate oliver twist would not ask for more it is all the fault of the roads and natural selection the roads are unspeakable and they have evolved an unspeakable vehicle none but a courage which has lost all respect for itself and its passengers could survive an hour on a yucatecan road the yucatecan road is not meant for courages it is meant for chamois goats and those black ants which have plenty of time on their hands and consider that the only way round a blade of grass is to climb up one side and down the other time is really what you want on a yucatecan road you have got to take it quietly and pick your way but this is not the program of the yucatecan courage it is always in a hurry it is a hurry scurrying give you no time for repentance desperado of a conveyance it takes you in and does for you it blacks your eyes breaks your ribs bruises you it gives you bloody noses and cracked crowns it does not care it has nothing to lose it is made of huge wheels stout poles and rough cord with a rabbit hutch on top swinging on the cords you go inside the rabbit hutch and you try to stop inside the carriage tries to get you out that's the game you can play it as long as you like as long as you have a bone unbroken or a breath in your body the courage does not mind it is always there and the rocks in the roads are always there and the two-inch long thorns on the hedges are always there to scratch your eyes out so that all day long you can play at courage exercise in yucatan until you are reduced to a bruised and bleeding mass this demon vehicle is called a volan coche flying coach it is quite indigenous and home-grown it is not even known in mexico where the roads are bad but have not reached that pitch of villainy to which the yucatecan roads have attained it is drawn by three mules abreast the centre one in the shafts when they come to a very large boulder and the wheels stick they pull 
pull all they know and very slowly the wheel of the volan climbs that boulder reaches the summit tips you to an angle of forty-five degrees on the non-boulder side and then comes down with a sickening thud over the precipice edge of the boulder and if you are not careful shoots you through the rabbit hutch side nobody need suffer from liver in yucatan a little courage exercise and the most rebellious liver which ever made a hell on earth for a mortal would come to heal we tried volan riding we had to on our return to the mainland there was no other way for us to cross the country except by buying fresh horses our volan was a nice volan as volans go it had a mattress in it a tempting-looking soft mattress which persuaded you that once inside the rabbit hutch you would really be quite comfortable but alas it was a delusion and a snare that mattress was in league with the volan it was the piece of toasted cheese in the volan mousetrap you could not lie on that mattress or squat on it or kneel on it or sit cross-legged on it or indeed sit anyhow on it you had to tie yourself up like those rubbery contortionists at the music halls and you had to hold on to the iron stanchions which support the rabbit hutch roof or you would not have had a whole rib left in our little ease we started from tizimin on our return journey to merida by a western road which traversed a portion of civilized yucatan new to us this is the espita district espita is a prosperous little town the centre of a quite considerable tobacco industry thence we entered once more the henequin country steering for the village of shuilu where the women came to the hot doors dressed or rather undressed as we had seen them nowhere else nothing on but a short kilt from waist to knee it was a long ride and it is sad to think that we swore the whole way fortunately the yucatecan driver suffered no moral damage he did not understand a syllable of our blasphemy he probably thought we were talking about ruins and that archaeologists were habitually excitable and shouted and screamed when they talked about ruins it is a melancholy fact that we really did not care about ruins any longer we were far too absorbed in our attempts to stop inside the rabbit hutch and in our collation of all the swear words we could remember finally we did arrive at merida very tired very dusty and in stained khaki suits which we felt to be a positive disgrace in that speak and span town we were veritable rip van winkles we had been away from merida close on four months during that time no letter or paper had been able to reach us it was quite a queer feeling and there was news in plenty some of it alas sad enough awaiting us in the foot-deep pile of letters which our good friend senor primitivo molina of the banco yucateco handed us 
we had accomplished our purpose that of exploring the hitherto unmapped and untraversed northeastern portions of yucatan and her eastern islands negative results are very often quite as valuable as positive results as we shall later show a great deal hangs as far as our explanations of the origin of the mayan civilization are concerned upon the question until now undecided but raised by stevens more than sixty years ago of how high a degree of perfection the buildings of northeast yucatan had attained our tour has satisfied us that we have once and for all an answer to that question our results are negative we have proved that students of the mayan problem need waste no time in expeditions to the northeast ruins there are without doubt which time and the denseness of the vegetation prevented us from discovering but those ruins if found and carefully studied would not add an iota of value to the mass of evidence for and against the theories which have been advanced in explanation of the mayan problem for the future work must be concentrated if it is to be of any value upon the extreme southern districts of yucatan and the guatemalan border the troubled state of that country the hostility of the tribes which range it its physical difficulties must for some years to come render investigations extremely hazardous and unsatisfactory but when eventually the districts south of lake peten are opened to archaeology immense progress may be expected under the aegis of mexico the opening up of this country cannot we venture to believe ever become an accomplished fact but when the relations between the governing class and the indian tribes have assumed that fitting aspect of benevolence and mutual good feeling which they will assume so soon as central america forms a portion of the united states the whole of that archaeologically rich district will yield up its secrets probably to american students who are already showing that they grasp the importance of southern yucatan we had always intended if time permitted to travel to the south of merida and view for ourselves the wonderful group of ruins of which the chief are Ushmal, labna kaba and sayil thus after a day or two's rest and before we threw off our uniform of khaki and returned to the normal collar and tie state of civilization we started out for tikul this is the most important town on the southern branch of yucatan's railways in the very heart of cultivated southern yucatan it lies under the northern slope of that chain of limestone hills or sierras which runs across yucatan from mashkanu in the northwest to tekash in the southeast some ten miles after leaving the southern suburbs of merida is the pueblo of akanse near which are the remains of an indian city here an elaborately carved wall has been discovered 
then the railway passes through the desolate plains of mayapan for some miles vegetation is sparse or non-existent and as far as the eye can see is a desert of grey stone here and there broken by small treeless hillocks the obvious sites of indian buildings if tradition is to be credited the city of mayapan was the most important of all the indian cities at or about the middle of the fifteenth century and its overthrowal by a confederation of caciques about fourteen sixty two forms the most important certain fact of mayan history in the century immediately preceding the spanish invasion professor edward seller has labored to show that the name mayapan is mexican though he is obliged to confess that pan in maya means flag or standard but he puts aside this very simple etymology and wants to find a purely mexican origin for the word he translates among the mayas this is hair splitting mayapan was the flag city the chief city of the mayans just as the flagship of a fleet is its chief vessel and it seems to us that the name itself affords the fullest proof that mayapan was what tradition declares it to have been the headquarters of the predominant cacique at the end of the fourteenth and the beginning of the fifteenth centuries stevens who made a fairly careful survey of the ruins in eighteen forty two discovered a mound sixty feet high and one hundred feet square at the base four staircases each twenty-five feet wide ascended to an esplanade within six feet of the top this esplanade was six feet wide and on each side a smaller staircase led to the top the summit was a plain stone platform fifteen feet square there were no signs of building on it stevens somewhat rashly assumes that this was its normal condition it is far more probable that there was a building on the top precisely like that of the castillo at chichen and either by the mayans themselves at the destruction of the city or by the spaniards it was thrown down the latter are the most likely offenders mayapan is but ten leagues south of merida and the fact that around the base of the mound stevens found mutilated stone figures of men and animals with diabolically distorted faces obviously idols suggests that catholic vandals had been at work beyond the plain of mayapan the rail runs through a rich hanakin country the towns and villages of which are connected by good roads for yucatan and ringed with neat gardens of orange lemon and banana trees here and there at the wayside stations tiny sets of metals on which stand small open tramcars of green yellow and red painted slatted wood each drawn by a mule branch off to haciendas of which the white walls and lofty arched gateways 
flanked with substantial stone pillars suggest the entry to a spanish abbey grounds rather than to a money-making house and factory the approach of the hot season and the fact that we are travelling practically due south are evidenced by the far larger number of naked children seen and at one hut door a little maid of seven or eight stands quietly as naked as she was born to watch the train's progress the men too who work in the gardens or drive the henequen wagons wear nothing but a breech cloth and soup plate straw hats tikul which we reach in about three hours is architecturally as uninteresting as are all these yucatecan towns it has an air of considerable prosperity the majority of the houses being of stone the flat-faced flat-roofed type which is so monotonous in spanish america its centre is a great plaza a rambling square of grass one side of which is occupied by the church and monastery the church is a fine one as far as size goes and is in good preservation it is connected with the monastery by a corridor from which opens that portion of the latter which is now used as the padre's house it is quite possible to believe the reports that reached us of this ecclesiastic's prosperity for his residence approached nearer than anything we had seen in the country to the comfort and substantial neatness of an english rectory stevens described the monastery as grand we were disappointed a rambling square of stucco terraced and arcaded round three sides and approached from the street by a narrow flight of a dozen steps the building even in the added dignity of its ruined condition is nothing but a plastered monstrosity as typical of the execrable architectural taste of the franciscans as of the ugliness and arrogance of their religion the inhospitality of these yucatecan towns to the stranger that is within their gates really beggars expression we knew nobody at tikul but we wanted shelter for the night and food and the possibility of arranging for the hire of horses for the morrow but the yucatecan does not care what you want his one idea is what money have you got which he can wrest from you that is what he wants if you look dusty and travel-worn he concludes that you will not be a good payer and any inchoate interest which the arrival of a foreigner fly in the immediate neighbourhood of his web may have aroused dies down and the yucatecan spider returns to his hammock thus it was that we found ourselves as the night fell wandering through the streets of tikul almost as mendicants begging for bread from door to door nobody was going to take the bother to prepare a meal for a fair price or to give shelter for the night to two foreign madmen who were demented enough to be interested in old walls and obstinate enough not to wish to be plucked 
finally a yucatecan woman with an almost intolerable condescension agreed to supply our humble wants we were dead beat and our wanderings among the hospitable indians had somewhat lulled us into forgetfulness of the golden rule that in yucatan you must bargain with every robber before you enter his cave we did indeed ask how much the supper would cost but the woman's reply that prices at tikul were not exorbitant like those at merida was given with such artless guile that we dropped the subject when the meal came it was ill-made coffee a worse cooked omelette a chicken stew and rice and the price demanded was about that of a first-class dinner at a london restaurant but we had had enough of this sort of thing and had not spent so long in the country without having reached that point of exasperation at which the long-suffering worm found his proverbial patience exhausted so we placed a half of the price demanded on the table and giving our hostess to understand that this was equivalent to the price in merida shook the dust of her inhospitable dwelling off our feet riding horses proved curiously enough unprocurable and we had had more than enough of volans so we determined to make a walking tour of our exploration of the southern sierras Ticul is a town of gardens and it would be difficult to imagine anything fairer than our tramp the next morning through its long straggling suburbs of neat mestizo huts each framed deep in its setting of the rich green of orange tree palm and laurel interspersed with the red of roses with the scarlet trumpet-shaped tulipan blossom and the purples pinks and whites of the climbing convolvuluses the road we followed was the main road to peto broad enough and dusty enough to deserve the title high road and rock-strewn enough to be thoroughly yucatecan but the country had altered we were in a very different yucatan from that through which for months past we had travelled here was no dead level of dense forest land where views were at a premium but a wooded undulating country over which you could see for miles as you slowly climbed towards the range of limestone bluffs shining white in the sun each tufted with clumps of trees the landscape looking for all the world like a piece of aberdeenshire on each side the road ran roughly built grey stone walls and you felt that you had only to peer over these to see a frothing brown stream leaping down over the boulders but there the delusion stopped for the southern sierras of yucatan are as deadly dry as the northern plains of the peninsula and though the climb was perhaps not more than six or seven hundred feet the blaze of the sun made the white dust of the road almost intolerable our walk lay for twelve long miles to the village of tabi where we had been told that food would be procurable having started our walk on the not very generous diet of black coffee and tortillas 
we were desperately hungry by the time we saw signs of the village ahead of us but our hunger was nothing in comparison with our thirst it was a five-dollar one and a jaded toper living a dipsomaniacal city life would have probably made us a sporting offer of three times that amount for it our bodily needs led to a most characteristic exhibition of the vivid contrast between the indian and yucatecan natures at the very first hut in the village we sent our indian servant to ask for what we needed most water a gentle-looking indian mother two or three brown toddlers hanging on to her weepil came to the door and then smilingly disappeared to reappear in a second with water in a calabash the dried rind of a large gourd which throughout yucatan is used by the indians as water deeper and drinking cup had it been that draught of vintage that had been cooled a long age in the deep delved earth of which john keats so eloquently sings the clear cool limestone water with beaded bubbles winking at the brim in that earthy smelling gourd could not have tasted more like nectar we must have almost drunk away the good wife's day's supply for the gourd held close on a pint and we each drank three and our servant drank two yet when we offered a few centavos in return for our splendid drink the indian woman shook her head and would not take them we insisted but she was obdurate until we suggested that at least she would let us give them to the black-eyed chiquitos who peeped shyly at us from behind the shelter of her cotton robe from her hut we walked on to the village store the usual filthy earth-floored warehouse its stained wooden counter crowded with habanero and anise bottles its roof garlanded with strings of onions green and red peppers and tortillas its floors littered with sacks of maize rice pepper and black beans here presided a fat yucatecan who to our inquiries as to whether he could prepare us a meal made a reply which with a maddening reiteration one hears all over yucatan no ay no ay there is not but we were too hungry to take no for an answer and we urged that surely he could cook us some eggs make coffee and boil us some rice at first he demurred even to this but we injudiciously showed such eagerness that he presently did retire into the inner shop whence after a consultation with a woman he emerged to tell us that eggs rice and coffee could be served the man looked such a blackguard that we thought it only wise to ask what the price of this sumptuous meal would be to this question at first he would give no answer at last with a surly shrug of his shoulders he said quien sabe who knows end of section seventeen recording by shena sayre fresno california